As Andy just said in the video, I'm Scott Mathis. Di and I are pleased to be here uh, with you this morning at North Point. We travel to a different Berean church every weekend, uh, inspiring and influencing God's people to pursue uh, Christ's plan for their life. Next week we'll be in Huntsville, Alabama, and then uh, uh, Nashville for a while, and then uh, doing a marriage conference out in Kentucky, and then back in Fremont at the end of the month. So uh, we live by North Platte, but we kind of live out on the road. And our, we pastored in Mitchell, Nebraska, Mitchell Berean Church for 19 years, and then planted a church in Warrington, Wyoming. And then God called us to become the president of the fellowship and travel around and pastor pastors and uh, encourage leadership teams and help churches be on mission. You know, if this church is going to continue to be on mission and reach the, the literally thousands of people in Lincoln, Nebraska, that don't yet know Jesus as Savior then it really takes people who are growing up in Christ. You know, I'm really glad this morning that when we got in our SUV that the fellowship provides for us to drive around, that it has a, trans, has a transmission in it. Can you imagine if it just had an engine? I'd still be sitting there in the driveway pushing on the gas. But I'm really glad it has a transmission. Because the transmission takes the power from the engine and transmits it to the wheels, and I can actually go somewhere. You know, there is a ton of believers in Jesus that have a lot of somewhat intellectual head knowledge about how they're supposed to live, and yet they're still living in complete discouragement. They're still living in, in addiction. And, 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 and if this church is going to remain on mission, you need to learn somehow to continue to grow up and grow in letting Jesus' power be transmitted into your marriage, into your singleness, into overcoming your unique addiction to you. And so one of the things that happened to me years ago was one of my mentors taught me that, listen, Scott, what goes on in your head really affects your everyday life. And that through Jesus, you can learn and accept the responsibility to grow up learning how to think right. So this morning, we're going to go quickly through some passages of Scripture that help us learn to think right. The, the key passage we're going to look at this morning is Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. What's going on in your head? You know, I don't know if Andy didn't put this on the video, but one of the things we did this week was, uh, and Daniel helped us, is we put little uh, monitor things underneath your seat. And when you came in here and sat down, supernaturally through today's technology, it downloaded all your thoughts that you've had for the last week. <laughs> We're going to start playing them on the screen. Can you imagine if that would happen? What's going on in your head Honestly, do you know where your thoughts are coming from? Can you identify what you are thinking about? You know, primarily our thoughts come from kind of three main influences. One, our, our sinful self. We all still have this sinful, selfish nature in us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think 
about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We'll return to this verse a little bit later, but I want you to see here that your thoughts are greatly influenced by your sinful self. Secondly, your thoughts are also influenced by Satan's society that we live in. The Bible teaches that in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan, who is the god of this world, little g god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the secret likeness of God. That's why for some of you who aren't yet believers and somehow your mother drug you here or grandma drug you here or your spouse drug you here, you're like, this is stupid. This is crazy. These people are whack to believe in some Jewish dude who lived 2,000 years ago and sing praises to him because Satan has blinded your mind. And our Christian thoughts are, are somehow influenced by Satan's society. But for some of you today, you're sitting here and this is all an exercise in futility and you're just here because of maybe some social pressure and today you need to examine maybe my thoughts are held captive by Satan and I need to understand that Jesus Christ can set me free. Maybe today is your day of salvation. I've never preached to a crowd that probably is 100% Christian. For some of you, you need to turn from sin and Satan and society and turn to the Savior today and be born again and believe in Jesus Christ and in his death and his burial for you. Jesus Christ took your place on a cross. He loved you that much. And you can be set free to have your mind cleared up. Because thirdly, our thoughts are greatly influenced, if you're a Christian, by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to the word of the Lord as found in 1 Corinthians 2.16. And Paul is asking a rhetorical question here. He says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. When you and I come to faith alone in Christ alone, whether we're 4 or 40 or 80, and are born again through the Holy Spirit coming to live inside us, we get the mind of Christ. We can learn to grow up and out of being dominated by our thoughts, being controlled by our sinful self or Satan's society. And it transmits the very power of Christ into our everyday life. You don't lack power today. You lack accepting the responsibility to learn to control what goes on in your thought life? Let's look at some other passages that help explain having, what having the mind of Christ means. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretentious pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's going on in your mind? And how's that working out for you when you're letting your sinful self or Satan's society dominate your thought life? I can guarantee you it's not working very well for you. And you have to stay in addiction to something or someone or some substance in order to cope. But Jesus Christ has a different plan. 
Jesus Christ allows you to access his mind and you can learn to begin to take every thought captive to make it obedience to Christ. Hey, where's this thought coming from? Oh, that thought right there is from Satan himself. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Have you ever kept a thought journal? I highly recommend this, although it can be a little discouraging. I did this once. Every hour I would stop and write down what my predominant thoughts were for the last hour. Helped me immensely. You see, many Christians are not allowing the transmission of Christ's power and peace in their life because they're not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is real practical stuff, my friends. Romans 8, 5 through 6, we looked at this verse earlier, but let's return to it. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. Friends, I don't believe the Apostle Paul is just referring here to physical death. I believe he's talking about death with intimacy with Christ and death to interpersonal relationships and ultimately physical death as well plays a part in this. But friends, you, some of you are struggling in your interpersonal relationships. Some of you, your thought life is critical towards your spouse. You need to repent of that today. You need to grow up and grow out of that. Some of you young people are constantly thinking critically and negatively about your parental units. And you need to grow up and say, no, that th those thoughts are not from my Savior. Some of you go to work every day and it's constant criticism. Some of you are here right now. You're being critical of me. That's just part of your life. You've just established that, that thought life habit. You're critical of everyone and everything. How's that working out for you? It's leading to death. And I have a passion that our Berean Fellowship be a group of the 55 or so churches. We're actually just get, got a couple more just joined our fellowship. I have a passion that we be a group of people who are, uh, who are people of the word and learning to let Jesus control our thought life so that we don't walk around dying in our interpersonal relationships or intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Because as this passage ends, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. What's going on in your mind? Colossians 3, 1 through 2, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right, God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. Philippians 4.8, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What's going on in your mind? I want to talk about seven keys I've learned that allow me to let Jesus control my thought life, okay? Keys unlock locks, or at least I'm from Wyoming. That's what they did back when I was from, from Wyoming. Keys unlock locks, right? Real profound theology right there. Keys unlock locks. Seven keys, if you're taking notes, which probably is about two of you. Seven keys to letting Christ control your thoughts. Number one, remember that God knows what you're thinking. Gulp. He knows that lust you're thinking of. 
instead of your spouse. He knows that coveting that you're thinking of and coveting your neighbor's oxen. He knows. Now that can really depress you or you can learn to say, oh, daddy, oh, daddy, that isn't the mind of Christ that I want. Please forgive me. Daddy, I know what you're thinking, and that's gonna, I'm going to use that as motivation not to live in cowardly fear of you, but in holy reverence of you saying, Daddy, I don't want you to, to, to I want to think thoughts. I'm going to take thoughts captive. Remember, God knows what you're thinking. Second key that I've learned. And again, these aren't seven, you know, here's Pastor Scott, seven, you know, here's my uh, formula. I'm not giving you a formula, I'm giving you Christ. I'm numbering these because it helps humans figure stuff out and helps me preach it. But don't, don't get, oh, I need the president of the Brian Fellowship's formula for taking every thought. Okay, this isn't a formula. I want to give you Jesus this morning. Numbering these only because we're human and our minds a lot of times think like that. But number one, remember God knows what you're thinking. Secondly, you got to get in the Word of God and you got to learn to pray. And every preacher says that, right? Every sermon you hear that. But in my opinion, you need to memorize verses and meditate on God's Word. Memorize God. When's the last time you memorized a verse? Or is that only for the little kids that go to Awana Bible programs? That's right. We adults don't need to memorize Scripture. Yeah, baloney. I can't tell you how many times in my life the verses I've memorized have helped me. It is unbelievable. My verses for January stay the same, have stayed the same for the last three years. Psalm 19, 12 through 14. How can I know? All the sins lurking in my heart. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Do not let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Those verses helped me. Last night when I woke up and couldn't get back to sleep because I was burdened for some things. It'd be sin to be worrying, so I'm just using Christianese there about burdens for things, okay? When's the last time you memorized a verse? How come not? How can you, how, how can you, can you expect to have the mind of Christ when you're not partaking of God's Word and meditating on it? And meditation, I'm not talking about, you know, New Age or Buddhist stuff where we empty our minds and just let basically say, you know, whatever fills it. Christian meditation is you taking God's Word and you bring it back to mind. In fact, the word meditation literally goes back to a word that means chew the cud. I don't know, I'm a cowboy if you can't tell. By the way, I'm... But cows, you know, they go and they have these long old tongues, no teeth right here. You know, they have bottom teeth on their front, but no teeth on, their, on the top. And they go and they take that long old tongue and they grab some grass and they chew it a little bit, swallow it, and then go get some more. And then what do they do? A cow goes and lays down and meditates. A cow goes down and they go, erp, and they bring what they already ate back up and rechew it and swallow it again. That's why ruminants are amazing. They can take corn stalks and live on them because they meditate, friends. The, the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for meditate means chew the cud. It means bring back, bring it back up. How can you bring God's word back up at work if you haven't memorized it? Okay, 
Memorize and meditate on God's word. Thirdly, live an authentic Christian community. If you're not in a small group, um, I would encourage you to do that. Fourthly, you got to control the media or it's going to control your mind. More people spend more time on Facebook than God's word. I am appalled, and I'm not some legalistic wacko, uh, but I'm appalled at what some Christians will admit to watching in far as like movies and stuff. I just think if, we're, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, how can you partake of some of that junk that's really messing your mind up? I think we need to be really careful. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying let's all bring our TVs you know, and burn them in the parking lot next week. But I am saying, my goodness, as blood-bought children of the Most High God, we need to be careful what we're putting into our head by the media choices we make. Fifthly, you got to learn to biblically deal with conflict. I'll come back and preach a whole sermon on that some other time, okay? But biblically, de- learn to deal with, gr- with conflict or your mind is messed up. Six, you got to replace your thoughts. Don't repress them. I mean, you just do. Our, we're not wired by God in the way of saying, well, I'm just not going to think about that. That dirty, rotten person who took me in that business deal eight years and four months ago and three days. I'm not going to think about that jerk. What do we do? We think about the jerk who took us in the business. No, you have to replace your thoughts, and that's why it goes back to you memorize and meditate on God's word. And then for me, physical exercise is really important. Like, I get a little mentally ill uh, in unholy ways if I don't exercise every day. It just is a needed part of my life. A bonus, bonus verse this morning. Let's close with Isaiah 26.3. Thou will keep me, I have it memorized in the King James, thou will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on thee. What's going on in your head today? What's your thought life like? Is the power of Christ being transmitted to the wheels of everyday living for him? Or are you one of those nominal Christians that if I came and lived with you for a week, I would be like, huh? Well, I hope they're a Christian. God knows. How are you going to respond to this sermon today? How are you going to respond? I don't know about you, but when I get, have guest speakers, I kind of like, eh, whatever. Okay, yeah. But maybe God, the God of the universe, got you here specifically because you need challenge to grow up in your thought life. Because a lot of you may be here, here and your stinking thinking is affecting your life and leading to death in intimacy with God and death in interpersonal relationships and is literally killing you physically. And so maybe today your response to this sermon is a simple act of repentance, a willingness to change your mind and say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. I want to learn to memorize, I want to start memorizing your word I want to meditate on it instead of constantly thinking about all this other stuff. Jesus, will you please help me when I'm constantly being critical of everybody I meet? Jesus, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting us and convincing us that your way is right. Jesus, um, I thank you for North Point. I love this church have prayed for this church since its inception. Lord, I I pray for a miracle and that you'd pay off their mortgage this coming year. That $1.2 million or whatever, would you pay it off? 
so they'd be freed up more. I just ask you for that miracle. I pray for unity in them. I pray they would understand that they're part of a fellowship that is interdependent churches that love them and care for them. I thank you especially for my dear brother Andy who so faithfully leads here. Bless him, encourage him. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.